This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, the 21st of September. Yes, feel free to listen to uh, Earth, Wind & Fire September at least once today. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Cisco Systems is acquiring cybersecurity firm Splunk in an all-cash deal valued at $28 billion. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, reports on sales of existing homes and jobless claims Claims are out today. Plus, we're still digesting yesterday's decision by the Fed to hold the line on in interest rates. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. And yesterday's uh, statement from Fed Chair Jay Powell could very much be termed a hawkish pause when it comes to interest rates. It was a hawkish pause indeed. This is the second pause of the year. They uh, paused back in June as well. So there's some concern they've gone into an every other meeting uh, stance of uh, policy tightening, which means that folks are looking toward that uh, November meeting, November 1st, uh, and wondering if the Fed might need to tighten interest rates further. We think they've gone sufficiently restrictive. And so it's just a matter of kind of holding a steady foot on the brake at this point rather than pushing even harder. Uh, But it will be very much data dependent, which is why uh, market participants are very focused on things like uh, the existing home sales numbers you mentioned or the uh, the number of jobless uh, claim filings that uh, we saw this morning as well. Yeah, what kind of story is the bond market telling us today? Well, the bond market is saying that they heard the message from the Fed loud and clear, and they're contemplating uh, higher for longer interest rates. That was the other messaging from the Fed, right, uh, yesterday, whether or not they're going in November is only part of the story. But the Fed was also saying uh, we're not cutting rates anytime soon. And when we do start cutting rates, which they've signaled could be coming next year, uh, it is going to be slower uh, and more gradually uh, than market participants were previously uh, anticipating. And so the market is kind of uh, coming to the realization that this is a Fed that's going to be restrictive for longer. Uh, and then that's getting reflected in interest rates today. And, of course, uh, that the fallout is being felt in the equity market uh, declines uh, that you highlighted. We're talking to Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. And there are two things that are driving the markets down today, and you touched on them. Uh, first off, the uh, initial jobless claims down to an eight-month low. That job market, despite all efforts to slow it down or even kill it entirely, uh, continues to power through whatever the Fed throws at it. It's never ending. At the beginning of the segment, you mentioned that song September that goes on and on and on and on. Uh, same thing's happening with the, uh, the, the labor market. The Fed has tried to tighten policy. Um, we've seen some slowing in the pace of hiring, 
Uh, but uh, many, many forecasters, myself included, have been surprised by the resilience uh, in the labor market in particular uh, with all of this tightening of, uh, of, of policy happening. Uh, case in point is what's happened in the housing sector. Um, we've seen a, a big decline in transactions, but prices are holding up. Uh, and one would think there would be more layoffs happening in the construction sector and related industries. Uh, it's just not happening. There's still a big backlog of homes to be built or that are under construction uh, that haven't been completed yet. And so I think you will see the effect. It's just a delayed effect, uh, but we certainly haven't seen it to any material degree to this point in time. Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, details of a nearly $30 billion acquisition in the tech sector. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Cisco Systems is acquiring cybersecurity company Splunk in a $28 billion cash purchase. Let's discuss the deal with Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout, based in Cleveland. Find him online, earningscout.com. Nick, thank you for joining us today. And at first blush, this this deal with uh, Cisco Systems buying Splunk just sounds like another way in which AI is changing the face of uh, the IT industry. It really is. And, uh, you know, parts of the economy here is there's been a big jump uh, in interest rates over the last uh, year and a half. Um, the AI industry part of the economy is booming. Um, and this shows that Cisco wants to step into that a little bit and purchase a company on the software side that gives it a, a recurring revenue stream uh, that it doesn't really have with its hardware router business. And uh, as AI becomes a larger and larger piece of office life, uh, there are going to be many, many ways for bad actors to try to break into it or take advantage of it. So buying a cybersecurity firm as a, a large vendor makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. Um, and, and you're right. It, 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 in any kind of boom, it will get people in there trying to capitalize off of that. Um, and that was always the best intentions, just other than to make money. But with Cisco purchasing this, it really will help its growth rate, too. Cisco's only was before this acquisition was only anticipated to grow its earnings at about six and a half percent per year over the next three to five years, about the same as Coca-Cola. You really don't expect that out of a technology company. So this should help uh, help it to grow through acquisition for the company as well. We're talking to Nick Ray, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland. And when it comes to driving growth, having a cybersecurity company under your umbrella, um, how does that drive growth, especially, I mean, on a percentage basis, when, when we all know that uh, uh, cybersecurity services at a time of changing technology will be really in demand? Right. And Splunk has much better growth rate projections than Cisco's uh, hardware business. And one way it does, I mean, Cisco, when you buy the hardware, you buy the router, router you buy it one time. Uh, with Splunk, you're going to get recurring revenue. So more stable revenue flows with a better market for growth opportunities as well. So it's, it's a good move by Cisco. Um, just it, it, will this spur more uh, M&A activity uh, in that space? And that's the big question mark going forward because many people think this is going to be the first of many deals. And then uh, on the subject of mergers and acquisitions and the deal-making space, this is a $28 billion cash purchase, which means uh, Cisco is basically going into the bank and and pulling money out and buying this company. They don't have to finance it uh, and, and pay higher interest rates on it. So how does this higher interest rate environment impact mergers and acquisitions, especially in this space? 
well, you want to see more cash deals. I believe there is some debt uh, in, in this acquisition, but yes, it's mostly cash. Um, that'll be interesting because you really don't see M&A activity pick up if we're heading into a recession, if the Fed's going to keep interest rates higher for longer. But it's really been a strange economy over the past year, a strange market in that parts of the economy are languishing because of persistently high prices and rising interest rates. And the AI space is booming. So we may see an M&A deal flows increase related to AI. And really, every parts of the other parts of the economy may not see the same deal flow. And then lastly, Nick, uh, your recommendation for Cisco stock. Uh, we think it's a good, stable earnings stream. We like this acquisition and uh, think it would be a good long-term buy here. It's a good strategic move by the company. Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland. Thank you for joining us today. Find him online at earningsscout.com. Coming up next, a change at Fox and an update on the writer's strike in Hollywood. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. There's word of progress in the strike by the Writers Guild. While there's a change in the leadership at Fox and News Corporation, let's get the latest on these key stories from Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Let's begin with the progress, it, it would seem, in the writer's strike. Both sides are still talking for the first time in a long time, and there seems to be a buzz in the air that an agreement is near. Yeah, we've um, you know been uh, reading the tea leaves of this over the last couple of days, and it, it certainly seems uh, optimistic. However, uh, these things are very delicate. Uh, yeah. The conversations are certainly heating up. Um, but I think the reality is that uh, the writers themselves may not solve all of the immediate issues because, remember, there are also actors that are also on strike separately. Right. The, the Directors Guild already reached an agreement months ago. And if the Writers Guild reaches an agreement with the Hollywood producers, then it's up to uh, SAG-AFTRA to finalize their agreement. And then finally, uh, there could be some semblance of normal TV production in Hollywood. Yeah, and I think uh, that the first place you would see uh, an immediate uh, light uh, flickered back on would be in daytime television. Uh, various shows uh, such as The View, uh, which is sort of partially uh, affected by the strike, uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, another other, uh, another number of other shows uh, such as uh, the late night shows as well could, could come back online very, very quickly just with writers. We're talking to Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group in Chicago. The other big story is that Rupert Murdoch is stepping down as the chairman of the board of uh, Fox and News Corporation and handing the reins over to his son, Logan Roy. I mean, excuse me, Lachlan Murdoch. <laughs> uh, there is absolutely a change in the guard, although Lachlan uh, has been uh, pretty much being trained over the last number of years, if you will, uh, obviously, Rupert is somebody who's very hands-on, always has been. But, I mean, the man is 92 years old, and uh, despite vibrant health, as he says, uh, and his, I guess, fifth marriage uh, now dissipating, I do think that um, the legacy is very much in debate. Uh, it's ironic because it's coming out, uh, this uh, news, uh, literally a week before a uh, pretty uh, well-hyped uh, biography of him by Michael Wolff. Um, and uh, an excerpt of which is at, in New York Magazine today. Um, his legacy is definitely going to be complicated, but from a business perspective, uh, truly and figuratively uh, sly and as smart as a fox uh, he has been over the years for sure, despite 
what you may think of him uh, on a whole bunch of other different levels. Also, a, a quick apology to all the uh, Succession fans out there. I blew the joke. Kendall Roy was the uh, the oldest son who was <laughs> who was going to get Waystar Royko in, in the show. But uh, he is a politically powerful figure, and he was astride the world with newspapers and the ca- the cable TV bundle at its very peak. And that Lachlan Murdoch is going to take over this company at a time when all of these traditional media models are shrinking. Yeah, I will say this, though. Uh, When Fox uh, and News Corp essentially uh, decided to sell uh, the studio business parts of what is uh, effectively now owned by Disney uh, in 2018, that was perhaps a masterstroke, whether that's prescience or luck or some combination thereof. Uh, Fox is now literally news and sports centric. um, And those are the two live uh, oriented uh, programming elements that are largely keeping television together, the bundle together, the value of that together. Uh, They do not have as much exposure into the uh, streaming uh, wars, so to speak. And maybe a few years ago that seemed uh, head scratching, but it sure looks like it's a smart move uh, now, given all the uh, issues going on that we've talked about over the over the months. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday. Can brain implants help paraplegics walk in the blind sea? This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's 1230. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The case involving the murder of a suburban family takes an unexpected turn. The president of Ukraine lobbies for aid on Capitol Hill. It's Technology Thursday, exploring efforts to use science to bring sight to the blind. Chicago area favorite Pertillo's is looking to further its already expanded reach. WBBM business, the markets are lower, the Dow is down 136, the S&P 500 is down 39, NASDAQ down 134. We have 77 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies. A little bit of rain here and there, but steadier showers south of Chicago. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a second person has died after a police pursuit in Oklahoma that's being linked to the weekend murders of a family in Romeoville. WBBM's Nancy Hardy reports we're waiting for law enforcement to release more details. Oklahoma police say the woman inside the SUV with Nathaniel Huey Jr. that crashed has died from her injuries while he was pronounced dead at the scene. Police did not identify her, but Romeoville police say relatives reported as missing a woman considered a person of interest as well as Huey in the murders of Alberto Rolone and his family. Samantha Edwards lives two doors down from Huey and his wife. She spoke to CBS2. It's definitely made me have a whole new perspective on trust on the people I surround myself with. I have two children. You know, I have a 12-year-old and a 4-year-old, so every day my daughter walks to school, I'm in fear, and it's just kind of put more fear into my head now. The station reports Huey Jr. had extensive firearms training and ran a security business that was involuntarily dissolved earlier this month. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Ukraine's president's on Capitol Hill today, making the case for continued U.S. support for his country's battle with Russia. I think we had very strong, very strong dialogue with senators. 
Along with meeting with members of the Senate, Vladimir Zelensky will huddle with President Biden and discuss the war with leaders at the Pentagon. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Matt Shapiro, President, MWS Capital in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Today's market activity, is this an interest rate hangover, a Fed hangover, or is this specifically in reaction to signs that the economy is nowhere close to slowing down? Well, Rob, uh, obviously we're in a time of economic growth and prosperity. Remember last year we had the market downturn because everyone feared a recession. Uh, That didn't happen, and the markets recovered quite a bit through July, and now, of course, we've had a couple secondary reactions from exactly Federal Reserve, Agita, uh, what I would call rate rash, uh, with, you know, just not satisfied that the Federal Reserve's interest rate campaign is going to end more quickly, that the economy is doing well, therefore long-term rates are firmer than people had believed just a few months ago. And so, you know, we're having a downtrend reaction, but nothing abnormal in what's considered in Dow theory uh, presently in a bull market. So we actually, I think, the markets have recovered somewhat. Tough to tell what will happen by the end of the day, but we have a chance to recover some of the losses already. Many of the main stocks, even Microsoft, is up today. The uh, bond yields uh, at uh, 4.5%, the highest in more than 15 years. So what story is the bond market telling us today? Well, that's just from the Federal Reserve's dot plot. So the Federal Reserve meeting yesterday had a lot of good news. They're going to stop raising rates, which is great. They will eventually cut them, which is great. But long-term rates are anyone's guess, and the Fed guessed that long-term rates may be half a percent higher than everyone believed. But we kind of already knew that with long-term rates being so firm. But anytime you have the 10-year Treasury going from about four and a quarter to close to four and a half today, that's going to cause investors and stocks to pull back in the short term. Remember, stocks will appreciate over time. Earnings estimates are very good. The economy is doing great. Earnings are expected to rise about 12%. But when rates jump like they have about 10 or 12 basis points, you have to wait a little more for those earnings to show up in stock appreciation. And so, you know, investors are kind of like, darn, you know, I'm just sort of sick of waiting for the Federal Reserve to be on the sidelines. That's why you saw that knee-jerk reaction stocks down this morning. We're talking to Matt Shapiro, president NWS Capital in Chicago. For Jay Powell yesterday, credibility is a big issue. And it seems like he would much rather say we're, we, we leave ourselves open to the possibility of raising interest rates in the future just based on, uh, on, on events as they unfold versus, okay, we're done, and then doing a very public about-face. Yes, they won't do that. And remember, you know, there's very little pushback uh, to the Federal Reserve right now politically. That may change as we get into the election season. But if you read uh, for, uh, from some of the influential, you know, Fed trackers in the Wall Street Journal, they kept that option to raise a rate, even though it's not commonly believed, because it's better to leave it there than to just remove it. But expectations are rates will fall over in the next year, just not as quickly as people want.
Matt Shapiro, President, NWS Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, a neurotechnology company is building an implantable brain-computer interface that could change lives. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. Neuralink, a tech company founded by Elon Musk, is working on an implantable brain-computer interface with potentially amazing capabilities. Let's learn more from Matt Wren, founder and tech expert of VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us today. And, of course, we've had this discussion before, and, and Matt, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And, of course, uh, the big bad in the uh, Star Trek franchise is the Borg, a species uh, that has it's a, a cybernetic humanoid combination uh, that operates in a collective mind. And, and, and one's thoughts turn to that uh, immediately when you talk about brain implants and brain interfaces and using uh, cybernetics to control your body. But the, uh, the, the potential of the Neuralink uh, could lead to some really incredible outcomes for people who are literally looking for a miracle. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Rob. Um, you know, the, the step away from Neuralink for a second. I, I think we're several years away from the Borg, thankfully. Um, you know, but with AI, with AI advancements, who knows? Um, what I'll say, though, is so there was... Um, you know, one of the coolest studies that just came out a little bit away from Neuralink was a Swiss team uh, effectively helped a paraplegic man walk better. Um, you know, we've been we've humans have been stimulating with electronics, the severed spinal cords of people who had spinal injuries for years. And in, in a lot of cases, they've made a ton of advances to helping people kind of like recover the ability to move, uh, which is one of the big you know advances. It's one of the big hopes for this type of technology is it's going to help blind people see. It's going to help people who are quadriplegic or paraplegic possibly regain the ability to control their limbs. Um, and so that's that's where the hope for this is going. We are it is way 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 early. Um, you know they're they're still at the the very you know the pong level of programming in terms of just being able to try to read the signals of being able to let people control a computer using their thoughts. But they did get the ability to now implant them in humans, and they're searching for human, you know, humans to start the trials. And this is not really—I mean, it's a technology that it's in its infancy, but you can kind of see it on the horizon. And we already have similar forms of this. I mean, you people who have uh, hearing difficulties or maybe deaf uh, do take advantage of cochlear implants to. Re- regain some sort of semblance of hearing so it's not an entirely exotic technology no it's it's there's a lot of research here and you know that's the one thing i think to a certain degree a lot of people are, are very well let's face it a lot of us myself included to a certain degree are somewhat afraid of computers being implanted into our bodies um but at the same time the promise that it provides for people who have limited abilities again here people who are deaf who've been using cochlear implants now can hear um, if there's a way to cure blindness by doing implants uh, that'll affect the nerves, you know, the, the separation between the nerves uh, from the eyes, to the nerves in the brain, uh, or helping, again, paraplegic people walk again. There's all sorts of promise that this allows for. And, you know, one of the big one of the big advances, too, is for people who have trouble communicating, who've lost the ability to speak from a stroke or something like using a BCI to allow them to regain the ability to communicate. Even just using that to help them communicate with their doctors about what they're feeling or how they are so that their conditions can be better treated. There's lots of promise to the technology. And I think there's a lot of, and there's been a lot of research towards it. So we'll, you know, we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for it.
We're talking to Matt Wren, founder and tech expert at VRAR in Chicago. There is the testing component looking for uh, uh, humans who can test this technology. And I know Elon Musk has been the subject of controversy over uh, Neuralink uh, uh, technology inside of uh, uh, primate subjects and and some questions about the ethics in, in that particular space. So it sounds like trying to find a, a human trial is going to be uh, almost as difficult as uh, developing the technology itself. Yeah, I mean, for the human trial, they're, they're, I've seen the, the request. It's very specific. They're, they're very specifically looking for a small number of humans. I think it's maybe six or ten. Um, and they have to have very specific conditions that they're looking for. And they're saying this is going to be a, a long-term trial. It's going to take several years. Um, there was some controversy a few years ago about, you know, the fact that the primates that were used to do some of the earlier trials were, were euthanized uh, or died. You know, there, there was rumors that they had died as a result of the Neuralink being implanted. And ultimately, I guess a lot of the research that came out of that said, well, no, the primates that were selected to do these studies were already terminally ill primates. So it was expected they were going to die anyway. Um, and the Neuralink actually didn't cause uh you know, didn't cause their death. So there was a little bit of controversy, and I know there was a lot of news stories back and forth. I don't ultimately know what the the resolution was, although I'm assuming since the FDA has approved human trials, obviously they 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 saw that it was safe and that there wasn't a lot of danger there. Um, so the controversy, you know, the controversy seems to surround Elon Musk. <laughs> so you know, it's it's I'm not too worried about that. I think the FDA is definitely looking at the positives here, but obviously making sure that things are being done safely. Matt Wren, founder and tech expert of VRAR in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's lunchtime, so let's take a Portillo's run. Oak Brook-based Portillo's is updating its growth plan for the first time since it went public nearly two years ago. We're joined by Ali Marathi, restaurants and retail reporter for Crane Chicago Business and and this is an ambitious growth plan, Ali. 900 locations across the U.S., up from 600 that it was targeting when it went to public, and 800 of those new locations will be full-scale restaurants. What's driving their thinking? Yeah, so that's a great question. They only have 77 locations now, and they want to get up to this, at least 920 in the next 20 years. So what they're saying now is that there's a lot of markets in the U.S. that they think they can play well. They've started going into some new markets in the past couple of years, like Florida and Texas. And now they're eyeing Colorado and Nevada and a few other places. So they say that the new locations they've opened recently are doing very well. They're driving high revenues, and it has made them confident in their ability to select the right locations that can be kind of, you know, foolproof going forward for them. Last week, we had a segment uh, discussing how McDonald's wants to phase out their self-service pop machines in restaurants. And the analyst said that what was happening is that they're going to eventually just phase out dining rooms altogether. And that uh, th- that that they learned during the pandemic that uh, mobile ordering and drive-throughs were the way to go. And is this Portillo seeing an opening then with uh, a lot of other places maybe phasing out the dining experience? So you bring up two great points here. First of all, of these 920 locations, 800 will be full service. And then 120 locations will be pickup only, walk up only, or some other format. So they have a couple locations, one of which is in Joliet, that they've opened very recently that are pickup only. So that's for people who order on the app 
or delivery drivers, et cetera. And, you know, I listen to their earnings calls and, and pay pretty close attention to them and their executives speak pretty highly of that location. They said it surprised them with how well it does and how much traffic it drives. So I think that they're really leaning into that and it's going to give them a lot of opportunities to get into places that they're not in. Like, so think about walking, walk up formats in a super dense urban area like Times Square or something like that. So there's that side of it where they're thinking differently about the format. They're also modernizing some of their existing locations, um, which is kind of interesting because you brought up McDonald's getting rid of their, their self-service beverage station. One of the things Portillo said they will do in this modernization effort is adding grab-and-go stalls, things like that, but also putting self-service beverage stations in. So it's sort of funny to see them going the opposite direction of McDonald's. And also, just to clarify, this is what we're talking about here is over a ten to twenty year time horizon. That uh, you know, McDonald's still has a dining room today with the self service pop machine, and uh, the the nine hundred Portillos locations across the country. Uh, again, we're talking ten to twenty years. Yeah, twenty years actually. And what they're saying with this is that this is their minimum addressable market. So basically saying in the whole country, we want to have at least this many Portillo's locations in 20 years. Uh, you know what You know what this is? This is the bear effect. Everybody watched the bear and they want to get a beef sandwich. That's a real thing, I'm told. Yes, chef. Ali Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.